0: So before we dive into this chapter, I'd ask that you guys just join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you now recognizing that you are a great God, a mighty God, the same God of the Old Testament and of the New Testament. Lord, and you can speak to us. Lord, and we ask that you would speak to us tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that he died our death, but he was resurrected, sealing our fate and allowing us to come into a relationship with you. Father, I pray that that your word would come across clear tonight. Lord, that you would empty me of myself. Father, that you would just speak through me to your people. Father, I pray that you would ready the hearts of everyone in this place that they would receive your truth, and that their lives would be changed, and that they would grow closer to you in this time. So, Father, I ask you just to bless this time and be with us. We commit this Bible study to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get into it. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Let's stop right there real quick. So beginning in the chapter, it says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women, who's they? I always like to ask that question, who's they? And in context, it's speaking of the women who were at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They were there. They seen what happened. They seen Jesus on the cross. And these women were the ones who prepare spices. As people would be buried in those times, they would use spices to, to cover up the smell, obviously. So they had prepared spices. And on the first day of the week, and another thing is, is the first day of the week, a lot of us are used to the traditional calendars we see on our walls or at school. And and we just so built into the mindset of, of the first day of the week being being a Monday. Like, most people think the first day of the week is Monday. Like, work starts Monday, school starts back again Monday. But the first day of the week actually is Sunday. I mean, the Sabbath was the seventh day, the seventh day God rested, and the first day of the week was was Sunday. So I hope you guys w- would recognize that. And the first day of the week, very early in the morning, that these women, they rose very early in the morning to, to do what they were going to do, to to go to the body of the Lord Jesus To put these spices that they had prepared and i always find it interesting like when there's things that are important in our lives they take a a strong place in in our schedules they take a a prominent place in our schedules and for these women going to to do what was right to the to the body of jesus in their hearts they they made time for it they woke up early in the morning they made time for the lord and i pray that we would all make time for the lord that that it maybe it's not early in the morning for you where you can spend a, a good amount of time reading the bible I mean, for me, it's not always the best time. I'm barely waking up; like I'm rush, rushing to work. But I pray that that the word of God and your time in the word of God, as you allow God to speak to you, would have a prominent place in your schedule. That you would have a time set apart so where these things, so you can spend time with God, so that He can reveal to you the truth of who He is. These women, they they had a prominent place in their schedule, as it sees it's very early in the morning. We see even in the Old Testament when when God called or when God called Abraham. To, uh, to offer up his son Isaac. Uh, when he called him to offer up his son, he, uh, he called him, and, he, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. He rose up early in the morning to do what the Lord had called him to do. And I think that it should always be a mindset that we have that early in the morning, or at least as a prominent place in our day where we would worship God, where we would spend time in his word. Um, so it says that very early in the morning they bring the spices, and they found the stone... Rolled away from the tomb. So the tomb—I don't know if you guys have ever even tried to picture this in your mind—but the tomb that the, that Jesus was laid in was hewn out of rock, and they would have rolled a, a large boulder in in front of the tomb, and it would have took several strong men, as a, as I've studied. Just it says that they would take seven several strong men to roll it away. In another gospel, we read that the the ladies asked, like, "Who's going to roll the stone away for us?" But we see here in this gospel that when they come to the tomb, that they find the, to- the the stone rolled away from the front of the tomb. And it says, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The body of the Lord Jesus wasn't in there. Why? Because he had resurrected. All the things that he has told them up until this point came to pass. But obviously they, they weren't expecting this to happen like this. They were expecting to see the body of the Lord to put the spices on him. But that wasn't the case. His body was not there. They couldn't find it. So we see that they didn't find the body. They, in a sense, it was almost like they, they weren't believing the things that he told them. They weren't expecting him to rise. They weren't expecting him on the third day to be risen from that grave. But he was. And as we continue to read, we, we find out more evidence of his resurrection. Let's go on into verse 4. It says, And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by in shining garments, Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. We'll stop there. So we see that these women, that they were, uh, they were perplexed. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what to make of this whole situation, not finding the body of Jesus there. And then they see two men, two men standing in, in shining garments. You see the angels made themselves appear to, to these women. These, these angels are appearing. They're in shining garments, like in bright robes. Like I can't even pick, uh, imagine what that would look like. like just Maybe just seeing like the purest white you've ever seen or just something so so bright. But these angels appeared to them, and it says that the, the women were afraid, and that they bowed their faces to the earth. It's almost like the, they, what they were seeing was so so great, so dazzling to their eyes, so bright, that they just bowed their faces to the earth. Not in a form of worship, because we see elsewhere in the Bible, whenever someone was to worship before an angel, they would say, get up. And we don't see that response here, so they won't worship, but they just bowed their heads. They, they couldn't bear what they were seeing. But it says that they, uh, that they bowed their faces to the earth and then the angel said to them why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here but he is risen so like the angels i'm sure they 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 knew the things that were going to come to pass they they knew that the lord was resurrected but these women they didn't they didn't expect it to happen like this and they're they're asking like why do you seek the living among the dead don't you know these things are supposed to happen didn't you know that he was going to be resurrected he told you all these things He, he told you multiple times but these women they still they they didn't believe and they were seeking the living among the dead and they make a, a profound statement they said he is not here but he is risen and this is an exclamation point right there because it's an emphatic statement that he is risen it's a it's a statement it's a, it's a truth the lord jesus christ has risen he is not dead he's risen he's alive and he's moving he's he's doing things in our world now he's in control of all things he is risen i love on on easter sunday I mean, it was a it was a new thing to me. I remember Easter Sunday coming to church, and the pastor was shot from the pulpit. He is risen, and the congregation responds, "He is risen indeed." And it's just it's a powerful truth. Like it, I never really knew what that was all about, and then when you read the the truth of the resurrection, like it is something that we are to to proclaim as often as we think of it. He is risen. Yes, he is risen indeed. So if you never heard that, hopefully next Easter you can respond that way, and we just greet each other like that always. Just he is risen. Yes, he is risen indeed. It's a great truth and it's a it's a great promise. It's tied into it. It's a fulfillment of prophecy of prophecy. It's a fulfillment of the things that that the Lord has laid out in Scripture from the beginning. But it says in verse six, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. The angels have to remind these ladies of the things that Jesus told them. He's like, don't you remember? And to, when they say the word remember there, it, can, it just means to, to be mindful of or, or just to remind yourself. Don't you, aren't you reminding yourself of the things that he told you? This is the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh, standing and living among you, walking and preaching, doing ministry amongst you. Don't you remember the things that he said? For us as Christians, God still speaks to us today. He still works in our lives. I pray that when you read God's word and as you continue to dive into it, that he would speak to you. And then when he does speak to you, that you wouldn't just forget these things, that you wouldn't forget the things that he tells you, but that you would be mindful of it, that you would receive it, that you would remind yourself constantly of the things that that God is showing you, and that you would share these things with other people. We are called to to remember the truth of God's word. And they asked the ladies here, don't you remember how he spoke to you in Galilee? And they even quote him. In verse 7, they say, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and rise on the third day. They quote Jesus, Jesus' own words. He told them multiple times that he was this is going to happen, that he was going to die. But in their own minds, they had their own idea of the things and how they were going to play out. But it said that Jesus himself said that he must be delivered. Why? Because the scripture said. The scripture said that this is what's going to happen to the Messiah. This is what's going to happen to the Savior. He's going to be crucified, delivered, delivered up by the hands of sinful men. And on the third day, he will rise again. Not only will he die, not only will he be crucified, but he will rise. These are the words that Jesus told him. And also in Luke chapter 9, verse 44, he says, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed." He told him that it was going to happen. In Luke eleven twenty nine and 30, he said, And while the crowds were, thick, were thickly gathered together, he began to say that this is an evil generation, and it seeks a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Remember that Jonah was three nights in the belly of a whale. That same sign that they received is the same sign that that the that this evil generation would, was going to receive. So he told him how it was going to happen. And then Luke 18, verse 31 to 33, he said, it says that he he took the 12 disciples aside and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon, and they will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus had told them the things that were going to happen. He told them the things that were going to come to pass they just didn't remember so i pray that we would remember we would always remember his words i mean i know for myself like there's been times where i would read the word of god i would just i'd go through and almost in a sense of just checking the box like oh you know i did my my christian duty eh? i read i read the bible today that's it's a good thing and it is a good thing we all should read the bible but we should read expecting that god would speak to us that god would reveal himself to us and not only that that we would remember Uh, a useful tactic for me is is being active in my own daily readings my daily devotions is that I would write down what, what God's speaking to me just the things that I think that he's showing me or if I have a question jot it down and remember to to ask somebody so i can I can understand the things that I'm reading that when we read god's word we' would be we'd be active in it that we'd jot things down I heard a statistic it that said that um we remember about sixty five percent more information when we just write it down even without going back to look at it so even if you don't go back to look at it just writing it down causes your mind to to Call these things into into your mind, into into remembrance. So maybe that's something that you want to apply to your own devotion time. Is just writing the things down, or, or writing your Bible, make highlighting marks, use pen. Don't be afraid to to write in your Bible. I know some people are really really you know particular about their Bible and they don't want to mess it up. It's the holy word of God, but get familiar with that. I love seeing people with their Bibles and they're just all ratted and tatted and they got all kinds of little markers in there and you know they open opening up french fries fall out and stuff like it's like they're spending time in the word of God. They're taking every moment they can to get into the word of God. Even while they're eating or while they're before they go to bed or whatever it is, they're finding time to be in the word of God. And I hope that our Bibles would be like that. That they would show the wear of our use. That we would spend time in God's word. So it says that uh, the angels asked him, in, or I'm sorry, the angels quote Jesus, and in verse eight, after that, they, it says, "And they remembered his words." That they did remember his words. Finally, they did allow these things to come back into their minds once they heard the word of Jesus. I I like the idea of of allowing God's word to be hidden in our hearts. I mean, this is a biblical idea. Of course, I would like it, but that we would memorize God's word. I love it because I have right now, I have a a few brothers that hold me accountable even to this, that I would memorize a verse, one verse every week, that I would hide it in my heart, that I would use it. I mean, this is a sword of the spirit. We are constantly in a spiritual battle. And how do we defend ourselves? With the word of God. Jesus did it. He said it is written when he was tempted. So I pray that you guys would commit scripture to memory, that you would, you know, maybe it's just one verse. It maybe takes you a month, but that you would make time just allow it to soak into your mind so that you can be equipped when those times of temptation or those times of trial come. These women, they remembered the word of God. So let's continue on into verse nine. In verse nine, it reads, then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So we see the women, they they go to the tomb, they're the first ones there, they see that there's no body there. They come to remember the things that Jesus told them, that he would resurrect. So they run back to the boys that are, are chilling back at wherever they were They were gathered together. And they, they tell the, the things that they've seen. It's like, they, I didn't see anybody down there. But they thought that they were crazy. They, they says that that they thought, or they sounded like idle tales to them. Like it was just, these things were made up. That they thought these women were just crazy. They thought they were like sick in their heads or something. And it's like, well, I got to believe it for myself. So Peter hops up and just jets down to the tombs. Like, man, I got to see this for myself. He gets there. And what does he see? The same thing that they reported. Nobody in the tomb. Nobody in the tomb. Jesus was resurrected. Evidence. His clothes are laid behind. His clothes are behind. He sees the clothes and he looks to himself and he marvels to himself at the things that have happened. It is a marvelous thing that a man can be dead and raised from the grave. That can only happen by the power of God. And even more so, that it was predicted. That it was called out. He called it out long before it even happened. How do we know that? The word of God is true. How do we know that the resurrection is true? Look at prophecy. How many times has the Bible been wrong? Never. Never been wrong. The only things that haven't came to pass yet are the things that will still come to pass in the future. I mean, I'm sure we've all been asked that question. Well, how can you know that everything in the Bible is true? You know, it's just a bunch of men that wrote these things a long time ago. Well, test it. Everything that they said was going to come to pass. Everything from the prophets, from Moses, all the way up until the New Testament, even throughout the New Testament, all these things have happened. The Bible is 100% accurate. That's how we can know it's true. The Bible is true, and the things that Jesus said were going to happen, happened. And now we see Peter, he himself witnesses the evidence. So we see the evidence of the resurrection here in these first couple of verses. So let's move on into verse 13. In the verse 13, it says, Now behold... Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him, and he said to them, what kind of conversation? is this, that you have with one another as you walk and are are sad. Let's stop there. So we see it it flashes to another scene. Now we're on this road, and there's two men. They're traveling down this road to Emmaus. And it says that it gives us its proximity. It's seven miles away from Jerusalem. So they're walking this this seven-mile journey. And as they're walking, they're talking together with themselves about the things that have happened. They're talking about the resurrection, the empty tomb. And that all these things that have come to pass, Jesus being crucified, they reasoned with themselves. And I like the word reason there. Because it means like they were having an, an intelligent conversation. Our faith is an intelligent faith. There are answers for our faith. There are answers for the things that we believe. I mean, we have that apologetics class on Monday nights. I mean, if you guys need answers, if you want some help in finding answers for the things that you believe, check out the apologetics class, check out apologetic books. That give reasons for the things that we believe. These men here, they they reason with themselves, and then all of a sudden, Jesus just swoops up on them, and he drew, he just walks up on them, and he sees them in conversation, and he just he's with them, and he continues to, to to as they have their conversation, he's just walking with them and, and listening to what they were uh, what they were talking about. in verse of verse sixteen, it says, "But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him." Now, I find it interesting in verse 16, that it says that they did not know him. Here they are having conversations about the the resurrection of Jesus Christ, about the empty tomb, about all the things that have happened up until this point. His crucifixion, him being in in, in the tomb for three days, the women going down to put spices on and find the empty tomb. All these things, they know all the facts, they know all the evidence, but yet they still don't know him. And there's a lot of people that are like that. I'm sure some of you came across people that know the Bible backwards and forward. They can quote scripture better than most Christians can. But yet they still haven't, they still haven't come to the knowledge of the truth of the resurrection. They haven't come to salvation. They haven't believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. And it is possible to know of God. The Bible says even the the, the demons know of Jesus and they tremble. It's possible to know of God and not be known of God. I mean... We read in the in the Gospels that on, on that day, there'll be many that come up and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this for you? Didn't I do that for you? And he'll say, depart from me for I never knew you. They knew him, but Jesus didn't know them. It's not a matter of, of whether you can intellectually explain who Jesus is. It's whether or not he knows you. Have you believed on him for salvation? If you have, then he knows you and you are his. I heard a quote one time that there's a lot of people, a lot of people that will miss heaven by just 18 inches, 18 inches from the head to the heart. It's a sad truth that people can can know, have the head knowledge, but yet just refuse to put their faith, refuse to repent of their sin, refuse to recognize their separation from God. I pray that everyone in here would have accepted that truth, would have repented, would have received Christ for their salvation. He is, he's proved who he is by his resurrection. He claimed he was God. His resurrection proves that he was God. He fulfilled the prophecies of the Messiah, the Savior, who came to save a lost people. He saved us. He will save those who will call on his name and believe. Romans 10.9 says that if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and he is raised from the dead, that he will be saved. It's the truth. We must confess him as Lord and believe in our hearts. Believe what? That he is raised from the grave, that he is resurrected, that he has finished the work, that it's been paid, been paid in full. So let's continue into verse 17. It says, And he said to them, What conversation is this that you have with one another? And, as you walk and are sad. Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of, Na- of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But well, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find him in his, when they did not find his body, they came saying that they seen visions of angels who said he was alive. and certain of us, and, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to, su- to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And at the beginning, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's stop there. We see that, that Jesus interacts with these men. He asks them a couple of questions. And I like how he, Jesus is always asking questions to pull truth out of individuals. Even when the scribes and the Pharisees, they come to test him. He asks them, they ask him a question, he asks them a question right back to pull out truth from them. I think he's doing the same thing here with these men. The first question he asks is, what, conver- what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another? Why, and then you walk and, and you're sad or, or you're all grieving. And I like that question. I have to ask myself that question. Like, what kind of conversation am I having when I walk with my brother or when I walk with, when I just fellowship? What kind of conversation am I having? Am I speaking of the things of the Lord? Am I being encouraged by my brother? Am I encouraging others? Or am I just, you know, just having the, just the regular old chit chat, talking about current events and, you know, who scored 61 points and who made the last layup in the last minute of the game? Or what, what, what kind of conversations am I having? Our speech should should be an indicator of, of what kind of person we are, what kind of life we live. What kind of conversations are you having? Are you having conversations that you would be glad that the Lord Jesus would be a part of? Are you having conversations that, you know, maybe you, you just want to keep away from him. Maybe you just want to put the earmuffs on him for a second because you don't want them to hear the things that you're saying, whether it be gossip or you're lying or you're just taking part in that those dirty conversations at work just because you don't want to stand out as the oddball. Well, guess what? You're a Christian. You're an odd boy. You're called to be set apart, to be different. Your conversations should be one that the Lord Jesus would be pleased with. He asked these men, what kind of conversations are you having? What kind of conversation is this you're having right now? I pray that the Lord is asking you the same thing, that you would be able to respond like, Lord, I'm, I'm having conversations that glorify you. I'm speaking of you. I pray that we would always have an attitude that would recognize that we are the representatives of Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are his witnesses. And that everything that we do, whether in word or in deed, we would do it to glorify God. But we see here that Jesus asked him that question, and then he goes on. And He goes on and talks about, he gives us the name of this man, Cleopas. Pretty weird name. I'm, it's not one of my <laughs> baby names, I'm sure. Cleopas. Uh, Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered him and said, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that hasn't heard of the things that have happened?" He's like, man, are you the only person in here? This event was, was like something that was on the front pages of every newspaper. Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead, this man being crucified. Remember, this was the same man that was healing people, large multitudes, feeding thousands of people at one time with a small amount of food. People knew who this man was. So they were watching to make sure, you know, to see what would happen. What would become of this? Would it really come to pass, the things that he said? He said that he would die and be resurrected. People were watching. And it's it's kind of foolish to me. Like a lot of the skeptics they'll have the, okay, well, you know, maybe somebody broke in and they stole the body of Jesus Christ. Like, come on. Are you serious? Everybody knew what was going on. They said that they even put guards at the tomb so that no one could break in. Even if there was a lot of people to roll the stone away, they'd have to be bold enough to, to go and, and stand before Roman guards who were armed. But clearly that's not what happened. The truth is that Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that was spoken of him. He was raised from the dead. By who? By God. God raised him from the dead. So it says that that this man, he's asking Jesus he's questioning him, saying, like, are you the only one in town who hasn't heard about this stuff? And Jesus asked him another question, what things? And I think he asked this question to pull out the truth from within them, to see if they have their facts straight. Do they have the facts straight concerning Jesus? So this man, he goes off and he starts to explain. He says, well, well, the things concerning of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all people. So first of all, he explains Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, he is Jesus. Oh. Oh. That's a negative. It's all right. It happens. Who? Oh. Is it on? Anyways, he explains the things that were happening. That he is Jesus of Nazareth. And when it's important to know who Jesus is, who the real Jesus is, the Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. Because there's a lot of people that were coming in that name. Jesus even told the people that there will be many that come in my name and saying, "Look there, or look here." Jesus was the man. He was God in flesh. He was God in human form, Jesus of Nazareth, but he says he was a prophet who was mighty in deed and word before God. Was Jesus a prophet? Yeah, he was a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is one who speaks forth openly the, 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 the truth of God's word, the divine message of who God is. A prophet is one who speaks the truth of God's word. So Jesus was a prophet. Yeah, he spoke the truth of God's word, but he wasn't just... Uh, a prophet, he was the prophet. He was the the he was God in, in human form. He was the word. And tomorrow we'll read in John 1: He was the Word made flesh. Jesus. He was a prophet, yes, but he was the prophet. He was the word that became flesh. So a little a small part of their view there was a little obscure. So he continues on. He's like he he, he was great before men and, and all the people. And how the chief priests. And he tells them about how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him and condemned him to death and crucified him. And So, okay, they understand that he was, he was delivered up by the chief priests. But interesting here, he says that our rulers, he says how the chief, in verse 20, he says, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. These men, they were still claiming these religious leaders to be their rulers. A big mistake. When a person receives Christ, they are no longer under the rule of anything aside from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of their life. When you accepted Christ into your heart, he is your Lord. He is your ruler. There is none else. Yeah, we're submitted to the authorities that he put in place over our life. But ultimately, we're in submission to God. We're in submission to Jesus Christ. And we see in the book of Acts, when Peter going off and he's he's giving a sermon, He's just convicting the people. He doesn't claim the rulers. He says your rulers, who delivered Jesus Christ up, he, they're the ones who crucified him. Your people, not my people. We are under the lordship and the headship of Jesus Christ. We are submitted to Him. He's our ruler. So again, did they have the facts right? Not completely. And verse twenty-one says that we were hoping that he was him. It was him that was coming to redeem. That was coming to redeem Israel. So they had, in their minds, they had a mindset of what was going to happen, of who the Messiah was. The Messiah was a savior. So the the Jews, they believed that the savior was going to come and and save them from their situation, from the Roman oppression, from the Roman government. That word redeem there means to release by paying a ransom. Or to redeem just by, by, well, obviously by paying a ransom. And so for the Israelites or for the Jews... They saw it as as them being freed or, or being freed from the, the Roman oppression or from the Roman government. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to deliver people from the, the, the rule of the enemy. Those who are, are under the lordship of Jesus Christ are no longer a slave to sin. we are no longer a slave to the bondage of sin, to that lifestyle. We've been freed from sin by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Prove it. He was resurrected. He proved his power over sin and death in his resurrection. He conquered sin and death. He made a public spectacle of sin and death. You don't have to be in bondage to sin. You don't have to continue in in doing those things that, that you know grieve the spirit of God. Why? Because Jesus has given you that power to overcome it. His crucifixion, his resurrection proves it. You have the power to abstain from sin. You don't have to sin. You are free. You have made, been made free by Jesus and the work that he's done. His crucifixion and his resurrection. And that's proof. So they continue on talking to Jesus, and they just explain the story. Well, there were certain women of our company in verse 22. There are certain women that went to the tomb, and they, they told us the things that they saw. But again, they, these men, they thought they were the ladies were just crazy. Like, yeah, right, You really? So they went and they saw it themselves. And he says that in verse 24, that certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said. They found it just as the women had said. The women were accurate in their reports. We need to be accurate in our reports of who Jesus is and his resurrection. Our lives need to be accurate and in line with, with who Jesus Christ is and the work that he's doing in our life. It's one thing to preach Jesus. It's another thing to live it out. We need to live out. We need to report accurately the, the work of God in our lives. In verse 25, he says, Jesus, he calls him out. It says, and he, says and, he, and he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Like, you're foolish. You've been told these things. The prophets have spoken of these things. It's been prophesied that this was going to happen. Foolish ones why are you slow to believe you know i was reading this and I actually the lord spoke to me even through this verse because the lord can reveal himself to us i mean you guys agree the lord can reveal who he is and and what he wants you to do what he's called you to do if the lord has called you to something why would you be slow to believe it if you know that he's called you why would you be slow to believe it? i had to ask myself the question if i know the lord has called me to something Why would I be slow to believe it? Just because I can't see it? Just because I can't feel it? If the Lord has called me to it, I can know that he will equip me for it. If the Lord has called you to something, he will equip. He will establish you. It's a work that he'll do. I had to examine myself. I was like, okay, well, you know, the Lord has got me this far in my walk, you know, but it was almost as if I was putting a limit on how far he could take me. Well, you can't call me to that. You can't call me to go, you know, just... Just be out just stand on a corner and preach the truth of the gospel. you can't call me to 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 hand a flyer to my coworker and invite him out to church i mean you can you can allow me to understand your word you can allow me to get in a good fellowship of believers, but uh, I don't know about you know that that next calling it's called faith. believe it believe if the Lord has called you to something, don't be slow to believe, receive it and walk in that trust him and if he hasn't called you that you felt oh well at least you know. That that wasn't what you weren't called to. It's better than living a life wondering, what if? What if I would have taken that step of faith? What if I would have shared with that girl? What if I would have shared with that guy? What if I would have prayed for that person? Just step out. If the Lord has called you to it, he'll equip you. So we continue, and in verse 27, He says that he began at Moses and the prophets, and he expounded, he explained to himself in the scriptures Jesus is revealed through the scriptures. You want to know God? Everybody wants to know God. you want to know God? Do you really want to know God? Read your Bible. That's how you know God. It's not going to a good church and, and hearing a, a prominent pastor speak. Read your Bible. God will reveal himself to you. Jesus said in the entire book, it's written of himself. When you're studying the Old Testament, whether you're studying the New Testament, look for Jesus. He's there. Ask yourself, what is this a picture of? What is this pointing to? You want to know God? You want to know his characteristics? You want to know how he worked? You want to know what he's called you to? Read the Bible. Allow God to speak to you. I will never stop preaching that. Read your Bible. That is the most crucial thing to our faith. We can never grow in wisdom and knowledge if we're not allowing the wisdom and knowledge to be poured into ourselves. So I say, take time apart. Get alone with God. Make it a prominent place in your life where you would spend time with God to allow him to speak to you. Jesus, he opened up the scriptures and he revealed himself to these men. And we continue into verse 28. Verse 28 says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them and then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight and they said to one another did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us so they rose up that very hour returned to jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were there with them gathered together and they said the lord is risen indeed and has appeared to simon And they told them about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as they said these things, oh, let me just stop right there. I'm sorry. Let's stop right there. Verse 35. So we see that these men, they continue on and Jesus continues on with them. Jesus continues on with them and it says that, that they ask him to stay with them. So Jesus stays with them. In verse 30, it says, and it came to pass that he sat at the table with them and took bread and broke it and blessed it and gave it to them. You know, I used to always question, like, why Why do we always pray before, before meals? Like, I mean, I would see people, even before I was a Christian, like, why do we pray before meals? Like, is it just something, like, people do as a ritual? Like, oh, let's just say grace. Let's just, you know, God made meat, let's eat. Like, no. <laughs> that's, that's not what it's to be about. We follow the model of what Jesus set before us. We see when he fed the, the thousands that he, he broke, he, he gave God, or he blessed it and broke it and distributed it. God bless the food. Jesus bless the food. When we pray for our food, when we bless it, I pray that it wouldn't just be some little ritual, that it wouldn't just be something that we just, oh, Lord, just thank you for this food, or that you would do it to to do it to impress people. Just bless the food. Lord, thank you for this meal. Thank you for the finances that I can purchase this meal, and bless that waiter for, for bringing it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. It can be that simple. We don't need to be Pharisees in our prayers. I pray that in our prayer closets that that's the time to get alone with God and have those, those long intimate talks with our Father. But when we bless the food, just, just bless the food. I mean, it doesn't have to be some dramatic thing. It's just, it's just blessing the food, following the model that Jesus set before us. So it says that he blessed the food, and their eyes were open, and they knew him. So we see we, before in verse 16 that they did, did not know him, and now they knew him. That they understood That they understood who he was. They accepted it. They were acquainted with that truth. They knew him, and then they start to say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? Didn't it burn within us when he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? When we open the scriptures, that's when God is revealed. When we're sharing the truth of who God is, we get our information, we get our truth from the scriptures, not from some some creative explanation of of somebody else. If you want to share Jesus with somebody, share the truth of God's word. Share that truth. That's what opens up eyes. That's what allows people's heart to burn. When we see at Sunday morning when the gospel goes out, it's not because the pastor is just a good speaker or he has some clever tactics. It's the word of God going out. And when the word of God goes out, it convicts, it pierces hearts. It convicts people. It brings them to repentance. It it opens their eyes to the truth of who he is. So Jesus opens the scriptures and their hearts burn within them and they, they come to know who he is. So it says that they rose at that hour, and they ran back to the people that they had left. And then they told them. They told them the proof of, of the resurrection that the Lord had revealed himself to them. And let's go in verse 36. It says, now, as they, uh, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why has, your, has doubt arised in your hearts? Behold my hand, and behold my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still, died, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. The question arises a lot. like. What will heaven be like, you know? What's going to happen in heaven? Like, are we going to eat? Are we going to, you know, play basketball? Are we going to, you know, be able to do all kinds of things that we enjoy here on this earth? Well, according to this, in our glorified state, as Jesus is in his glorified state after the resurrection, he is not a spirit. He's not a ghost. He's not some kind of force. He's a physical person. He tells him, touch my hands, handle me, feel my feet, look at me. Matter of fact, give me some of that food over there. And he eats some fish, some honeycomb. He eats. So are we going to eat in heaven, or are we going to eat in our glorified state? I think it's biblical, yes. And I'm looking forward to that. I know you are too, Gary. <laughs> but uh, we will eat in heaven. We will eat, we will eat, and we will feast. So it says um, that he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, in verse 44, Then he said to him, These words which I speak to you, are these words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me? And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it was written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Let's stop there. So Jesus, we see the proof, we see the, the physical proof of, of his resurrection, that he's, he's a resurrected person. And then he continues and he speaks to them. And he tells them the, the truth of the scriptures, that it has been prophesied. It, it was going to come to pass that, that these things were happening. That things that these things were going to happen. It has been written in the law of Moses, which the law of Moses would consist of the first five books of the Torah, the prophets, which will be all the prophets, and the Psalms, all the wisdom books. They all point to Jesus. They all are con, are concerning Him, and it says in verse 45, or forty-five that He opened their understanding, that they might that they might un, comprehend the Scriptures. It's a, it's an important thing to realize that our our desire. To understand God or to to figure him out, while it may be a good desire, that knowledge comes from God. That the only way we can understand him is by his will, by him allowing himself to reveal himself, by him revealing himself to to us. But the only way he can reveal himself to us is if we're in the word of God. If we are reading him, we are reading of him, we are asking the questions. What is this speaking of? Who is this pointing to? Again, it is important. It is so crucial to read your Bible. That's why we do this Bible study. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible every single day. That you would read a chapter a day. That you would allow God to speak into your life. That as yesterday was Luke 23, today's Luke 24, tomorrow is John chapter 1. If this is your first time or you haven't been reading, look, we're starting a brand new book tomorrow. Jump on track with us. Walk with us. Let's continue to grow in wisdom and knowledge of who the Lord is. Allow him to open our understanding of himself. And let's continue to see our, our biblical literacy spiral upwards as we spend time in the word of God, remembering the things that he's speaking to us. And it says in verse 36, thus it was written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. It was necessary. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer. Why? Because you are a sinner. I am a sinner. I am separated from God. In our natural state, we are separated from God because of our sin." There is no possible way that we are going to have fellowship with a holy, a perfect, a righteous God because our sin separates us. It was necessary for him to die. Why? Because he is the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. It was necessary for him to die so that we can have fellowship with God. It was necessary for the crucifixion. It was necessary for the resurrection so that we can have fellowship with God. Because apart from Jesus Christ, there is no way to know God. Jesus is the only way. Don't let nobody tell you different. The scriptures clearly say that Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is none, none that get to the Father except through Him. Jesus, it was necessary for Him to go to the cross, to bear our sin, so that we can have fellowship with Him. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the it's the good news. It's the reason why we can enjoy this life that we live. It's the reason why we can have abundant life. It's the reason why we experience blessing and why we experience the answer to prayer. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. Everything in our life should give thanks to that. Everything we do, everything we say, everything that we're a part of should bring glory to God in recognition recognition of what he has done for us. It was necessary. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and to be raised from the dead on the third day. And he commissions them in verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. It is necessary that repentance is preached, that remissions of sin is is preached. It is important that we share the good news of the gospel. Not only do we give like, oh yeah, Jesus loves you, he wants you to go into heaven, he, he wants all these good things for you, he wants to bless your life. Yes, it's true. But people need to recognize the bad news as well, that apart from Jesus Christ, you will be headed to hell. Apart from the work of Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. That you must repent of your sin. You must recognize that you are a sin, that you must repent of that. You must turn away. Repentance means to turn away, to have a change of mind, to turn away from, to repent of your sins and walk towards God. And that the remission of sins should be preached. The, remission, the word remission means release from bondage or imprisonment. And I say to you, any of you who have put your faith in the Lord, you have the remission of your sins. You are released from the bondage of sin, whatever it may be. Maybe you're a liar. Maybe you're a cheater. Maybe you stole. Maybe you fornicated. You are released from that sin. You have the remission of your sins. You are released from that. You no longer have to be in bondage to that. Why? Because the work of Jesus Christ, he has done it all. He has performed that work for you, so that you can be free from that, so that you can enjoy life. Don't continue to go down that same road. You know the enemy; he likes to present sin as a, as something enjoyable. Oh, there's life in that. Go go indulge in that. No one has to know about that. Just 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 play with it a little bit. The angels asked the the women. He said, "Why do you seek the living among the dead?" Same question is asked to us. Why do you seek the living among the dead. You know there's death in those things. Sin leads to death. You know that there's death in those things. Why do you seek life in that? Seek life in Christ. Life in Christ. That's where we'll find life. In Jesus Christ. In the work that he's done. Not in your sin. Don't be fooled. Don't be ripped off. The enemy wants to rip you off. I'm telling you right now, he wants to rip you off. Don't continue down that road. Make it a mark in your life tonight to repent, to turn towards God. To walk with him, he says that this should be preached. not only should we, we internalize this truth, but we should preach this to others. Why? Because we are witnesses. If God has came into your life, if God has done a work in your heart, if He's transformed you, you are his witness. What do you see a witness do? A witness gives a testimony. Picture a witness stand. Picture a courtroom. You got the witness stand. That witness is there giving an account of the things that he's seen or heard and experienced. Or he's an expert in these things. He's given a testimony. We are called to give a testimony of the things that we've experienced. Your life is a testimony. The things that you've experienced. The way that the Lord came into your life and and took you out of that lifestyle. Took you away from those sins. That's a work that the Lord did. We are called to give a testimony. We are called to be his witness in that. Also, a witness can be an expert. They are, they have a, a great understanding of the situation or the things that are going on. We are to have a great understanding of who it is that we preach, who it is that, that we find our salvation, how we find our life. We are to be experts in the sense that we would study our word, that we'd be able to give a reason to those who ask us, a reason for the hope that's within us. Why are we so happy? Why are we so joyful? Why can't we smile when things are going bad? We're, we're, we're called to give a witness to that. It's because Jesus and the work that he's done in my life share that truth. We're called to be his witnesses. So we see going into this next set of verses. Not only do we have evidence, do we have physical proof, and are we called to be witnesses, but he gives us a promise. The resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has for the believer a great promise. Let's read of it. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. How do you know that you're saved? Because the Holy Spirit works in your life. The Holy Spirit reveals to your own sin. The Holy Spirit convicts you. That's how you know you're saved, because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will work in your life. You have been given the promise. Because of his death and resurrection, you've been given the promise of the Holy Spirit so that you can be his witness. Oh, I don't know if I can share my faith. I don't know if I can, you know, study the Bible like everybody else. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been equipped to go out and preach. You've been equipped to understand the truth of God's word because his Holy Spirit is your promise. He's your helper. And he will allow you to understand who God is and it will equip you to fulfill the calling that the Lord has placed upon your life. Verse fifty says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was that he part that he was parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising God. Amen. This last set of verses we can it's, Just because it doesn't have the red letters, we can almost want to gloss over and just close up the book. But I think there's one key truth here. That as Jesus was, he held up his hands, he blessed the people, and as he blessed the people, they saw him ascend into heaven. And when they saw him ascend into heaven, after, what was their response? They worshipped him. They worshipped him. How did they worship him? Well, the next section says, the next set of words says that they returned to Jerusalem. Remember, it says that And Jesus said in verse 47 that this should be preached to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What did they do? They obeyed. Their worship was obedience. They obeyed. They went back to Jerusalem and began to preach. How do you worship God? You obey. If the Lord has called you to something, obey. If the Lord has called you to do something, obey. That is your worship to God. Worship God by obedience. Don't be fooled. Disobedience can be clearly identified. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. The only obedience is immediate obedience. I'll say it again. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Obey. Worship God. Obey. And it says in verse 53 that they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Like I said, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. We are to live life. Praising God continually in this body, continually giving him thanks, continually glorifying him, continually worshiping him. Why? Because he's worthy. Look what he's done for you. Look what he saved you from. He has delivered you. He's released you. He's given you the promise. He's given you the facts. He's given you evidence. He's given you everything you need to be successful in this life. Worship him continually in this body. It closes out with amen amen so be it so be it the truth of god and his resurrection so be it i heard a, a, or I guess you could call it a rhyme and it it clearly depicts the truth of the resurrection and i pray that as we close that you guys will just listen and, and hopefully that you would hear the truth of what we just read come out it begins like this i'm homesick This body's a tent. Heaven's where home is. So I guess it's safe to say that God's people are homeless. And just as sure as a fugitive runs, our monies are tied up in mutual funds. Cats be like, you got unusual ones. That's because the riches we got are stored up for after the funeral, son. Numeral one, Christ had to rip the veil. Because there was bad blood between us, like sickle cell, anemia. The media, they keep feeding us lies, and immediately we eat it up like medium fries. The heart beating inside longs for the day when Christ will come, and plus bring me to his side and clothe me in white. We'll be just like him, like Kobe and Mike. <laughs> We're going to glory, right? We're headed to the new heaven, new earth, and I got proof. It's Jesus Christ's resurrection, and I'm not duped. This is objectivity. It's not my truth. We're going to glory, y'all. How about you? Listen, my papa, he ain't no rolling stone. But when the angels rolled the stone away, you better know the Roman soldiers were blown away. We got to stow away. Nah, it's Jesus Christ that died, resurrected, folded his clothes and stole away. Now that's incredible. He showed himself to credible witnesses that witnessed his death but didn't expect him to come out of the grave just as the scriptures had said. They thought the ladies were sick in the head when they came back reporting what they had seen with their eyes. The disciples were skeptical, so they sent Peter and John to verify what they told them. Jesus is risen. Meanwhile, the chief priests were bribing the soldiers, obviously with valuable tokens. They told them to keep quiet and just to say that the body was stolen by the disciples at night. But the, While the soldiers were sleeping, but the story was leaking, he showed himself breathing, living, and moving. He made appearances. He showed him his feet and his nail-scarred hands, reiterated and told him the secret. He said, I'm the fulfillment of Moses' teachings. Cleopas's grieving had turned into joy because he was hoping to see his Redeemer. Even Josephus wrote of this Jesus, the historical Christ even explorers alike there's irrefutable evidence in support of his life plus his dying i am not lying tell a friend who's agnostic god has got no skeletons in his closet they can't find his bones they're nowhere to be found not even his teeth nowhere in the ground why he's home wearing the crown the disciples watched him ascend Therefore, we're Holy Spirit endowed with the power to be witnesses. How many listeners know that when you die, you'll rise and be with the rest of us? We're not cocky. We're confident in the God who rescued us. Plus, he resurrected his son from out of the sepulchre. Have you accepted these facts? And if you haven't, let's chat. After the show or email me, I'll be happy to rap about these matters concerning our faith. Jesus Christ and his resurrection has determined our fate. amen Amen. praise the father remember continually praising the father continually praising the father in everything that we do so i pray that you guys were blessed tonight before we go i would like to just pray over you guys if you would father i just thank you lord i thank you so much for the work that you've done on the cross i recognize my sin and how it separated me lord I pray that all these here would see that as well, that they would see that they are no longer a slave to sin. They are no longer in bondage because of the work that you did on the cross. Father, I pray that you would fill these now with your Holy Spirit, that they would be equipped to do whatever it is that you've called them to do, that they would be able to be your witness at work, at home, at school, wherever, Lord, that they would just stand up boldly for you and that they would proclaim the truth of who you are, that they would be able to give a defense that they would read their Bibles, that you would speak into their lives. Father, I pray that you would open up their eyes to the truth of who you are as they dedicate themselves to know you, and that you would continually convict us and change us, conform us into the image of your Son. Lord, we thank you. We look forward to seeing you on that day. And until then, Lord, help us to live lives that would glorify you. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.